Okay, we're continuing this week in our series for the past couple months, oh man, uh, called Signs of the Times. Say Signs of the Times. This is week nine, and I have to tell you, you guys are doing fantastic. We are in the ninth week of a series that's all about revelation, and this is deep stuff. Like, it feel, time's just absolutely flying. Um, this is a very in-depth study. There's a lots of information. I'm just, you guys are doing great, and you're interested in it, which just blesses me uh, to no end. Last week, I spoke for an hour, which is the longest message I have ever given in my life. Hey, uh, by the way, I need you to, t- Parker, I need you to time this. And then while I'm going, you guys should probably guess because you can't, if, if it's asked for words, you don't win a prize. Anyway, time this message. Uh, I talked for 55 minutes and um, it didn't feel like that to me, but I'm sure it did to some of you. Uh, so this week will be a little bit shorter. I promise. Well, I hope. I hope <laughs> I revoke that promise. Uh, this series is all about, if you're tuning in for the first time, maybe you're here for the first time. I know we've got some first time guests. Uh, this series is all about the last days. It's about the end times and what the Bible okay, specifically the book of Revelation has to say about the final chapter in human history before the return of Christ. And and this this series is uh, in nature a Bible study, okay? This isn't just a, hey, that sounds cool, got me hyped up. This is a Bible study. And we're jumping right in this morning to chapter seven um, of the book of Revelation. So if you have the Bible app, go ahead and pull it up. Uh, You can go to events, click on Summit Church, and you can follow along. The scriptures are in there for you. Uh, If you have your real Bible, pull that thing out too. In chapter six, which we studied last week, the great tribulation began. And the culmination of that was that a quarter of humanity was killed. Okay, that's that's a lot of people. Uh, We heard about earthquakes, fires, famines, chaos, lawlessness, darkness, and it was all dimly lit by the glow of a blood red moon and most likely the explosions of nuclear war. That is the landscape moving forward, and it only gets worse. Welcome welcome to the apocalypse. It is worse than you think, far worse. And we're getting into that today. Let's go ahead and read the scripture. Revelation 7, verses 1 through 4. This is John talking, John writing. And remember, John is in this like heavenly state. He's like in heaven watching this stuff uh, play out. He says this, he says, after these things... I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. And listen, I just need to say this. Some people say that that is proof that the earth is flat. (laughs) Not getting into it. The earth is round. Somebody asked, never mind, move on. Okay, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds, north, south, east, west, by the way, holding the four winds of the earth, that below north, south, east, and west, and everything in between, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was granted to harm the earth, the sea, because of the wind. He said, do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees until, everybody say until. Until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of Israel were sealed. Okay, then immediately after this, the 12 tribes of Israel are mentioned, and 12,000 people from each tribe were sealed with a mark on their forehead. There's a lot of information here about the tribes, why some are left out, why some are replaced, Dan, so on and so forth. It's not pertinent to the message this morning. Uh, so I want to sum this up to you, what we just read. Let me sum this up. There are four angels, okay, Very, at four corners of the earth, four different points of the earth, and they cause the wind to stop blowing 
Okay, that's their job. And this may seem like a peaceful thing, but it's quite the opposite. It's a far cry from a calm day. All right, think about this. The wind is responsible for all kinds of things, influencing ocean currents, air quality, weather patterns, heat dispersion all across the globe. It's a, it's a natural air filter, okay? It takes things from one place, pollen, all this essential stuff, and it moves it to another. And if it was to quit blowing, the heat on earth would be staggering. The air would be stale and stagnant, and the weather would be absolutely extreme. And that's just the least of it. So, so the wind is going to quit blowing. Now, remember, in the last chapter we read, a quarter of humanity has been killed. That's a lot of people laying on the ground. They ain't all been buried. It's going to be an awful smelling place. The whole planet is going to stink. The wind is going to quit blowing. But the main thing that I want to focus on for the next few minutes is the 144,000. That is the title of the message. Say the 144,000. 144, Say it louder. There it is. Has anybody ever heard about this 144,000 people? Anybody? And if you're anything like me, you heard about it, and then you have no idea what it means. You just hear people talking about it. In the back of your mind, you're thinking the same thing I'm thinking. I really hope the Jehovah's Witnesses are wrong, because there's no way I'm making the cut. (laughs) Zero chances. If there are only 144,000 people getting saved, I really wish y'all would quit telling people about it. I wish you'd quit doing this. Anybody been there? Why are y'all not honest this morning? I think that. The 144,000 is an often misunderstood subject that entire religions and cults have been established around. And this number means many different things to many different people. To some, this number is totally symbolic. It has no literal application. There are others that believe uh, this represents the church as a whole. Okay, to others, this number means that only 144,000 people will be saved. That's scary. There are others who say that there are only 144,000 people that will reach the highest level of heaven. They call it a heavenly hope. And only those 144,000 people will rule and reign with Christ. Everyone else now, there will be other people there. Everyone else will have an earthly hope. And they'll be living on this earth, ruled by Christ, but not reigning with Christ. There's a very important difference. And this is essentially presenting like this uh, privileged class in the kingdom. Uh, This belief is most prominent among the Jehovah's Witnesses, and it's central uh, to their eschatological perspective. So the 144,000 is a very controversial subject, but it is nowhere near as complicated as human beings have made it out to be, not even kind of. And the reason that this is so important is because if you read through Revelation and you get to this number of people and you don't know what it means, you're going to miss a lot in the chapters to come. This is very, very important. It's the first fruits of God's chosen people of the tribulation time. And I mentioned this at the beginning of the series, uh, but I tend to take a literal approach to scripture. Like when I read the Bible, I, I tend to take it literally, even apocalyptic literature. I personally believe that God gave us a book that we can read and understand. And for the most part, take it at face value without having to rely on other people or opinions to tell us what it means. And if you were born in total isolation with nothing but you and a Bible, well, in that case, you'd probably die in a few days and you wouldn't be able to read. But if you didn't have any other people or churches or YouTube videos to tell you what this number means, you would never get to chapter seven read about the 144,000, and come to the conclusion that only 144,000 people are going to be saved. Never, ever, ever. Or that only these people have special rewards in heaven. Or 
that they represent the church as a whole. Never. Why? Why would you never come to that conclusion? The answer is simple, because the Bible doesn't say that. Right there. What a concept. Just read the Bible and believe what it says instead of what man thinks it says. Now, if you were born in isolation with only a Bible and plenty of food and water, someone to teach you to read, you get the point, you'd come to the conclusion that this number is exactly as it's written, and that is this. The 144,000 people represent a literal group of Jewish people, Jewish people, it's very important, that will come to Christ during the Great Tribulation. That's what Scripture says. That's what I believe. You guys with me so far? It's that simple. It's that simple. And now that we have that established, and we have freed hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people from the bondage of legalism and manipulation of man, because surely they're all watching this right now. Now that we've done that, we are going to move on. Amen. There's a lot of speculation on the role that the 144,000 people will play in the end times, uh, the Great Tribulation, but there isn't really a general consensus. The main idea, the main point here is that they do not represent the church as a whole. 144,000 Jewish believers that will come to faith during the Great Tribulation. And then right after this number of people are mentioned, are listed, 12,000 from each tribe, in in chapter 7, right after that happens, uh, in verse 9, a worship service breaks out in heaven and multitudes beyond number begin to worship the Creator. And that brings us Uh, to the end of chapter 7. Quick chapter. I told you I was summing some of this stuff up. That is the majority of chapter 7. You've got this 144,000 people, a worship service breaks out in heaven, and then we get to chapter 8. You guys with me so far? We're flying now. We're booking it. Last week, we talked about the seals. Do you guys remember that? The seals, how they each represent a specific judgment that's going to be carried out on the earth. We stopped at the sixth seal, and I told you we were going to get to the seventh seal Uh, Chapter 8 opens up, we're now in chapter 8, opens up with the seventh seal being broken, and it leads us to the next series of judgments, which were worse worse than the first. It leads us to the trumpet judgments. Let's read Revelation 8, 1 through 2. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. The seventh seal is a transition to the next set of of judgments. This is interesting. I think it's interesting. At the end of of chapter 7, all of heaven is roaring in worship. Multitude, multitude upon multitudes of people are worshiping God. But as soon as the seventh seal, as soon as the lamb breaks this, as soon as Jesus breaks the seventh seal, total silence. A very awesome scene to imagine, just this noise that you can't even comprehend or make sense of, and then in an instant, the seventh seal is broken, boof, silence, deafening silence. Why? Because the scroll, the deed to earth, remember that, is fully open, and it's about to be declared over the earth. Like what's getting ready to happen is really bad, really, really bad, and all of heaven takes a moment of silence at the awesome events that are getting ready to take place. There's just this moment of complete reverence as these seven angels stand and take these trumpets. Just like a courtroom here on earth demands silence when a judge is presiding, heaven is doing the same thing. The judgment is coming, and this is the calm before the storm. And during that moment of silence, an angel comes and stands before the throne of God, 
So just you guys with me, there's a silence in heaven. Everybody's looking at the throne of God. An angel approaches the altar, okay, the altar that's before God, the altar of incense. He approaches this carrying a golden censer. Everybody say censer. Now you're probably picturing like a little electronic thing. That's not what it is. A censer, maybe you've seen like a Catholic priest uh, carrying one of these. They kind of dangle and smoke comes out of them. Have you guys seen that before? Okay, hang with me on this. This gets kind of deep here. As if it's not deep enough. Rewind thousands of years ago. In the original tabernacle that God tells Moses to build, there are six main elements, okay? But right now we're only concerned with one and that is the altar of incense. Everybody say altar of incense. Okay, and day and night, night and day, incense was to be burned on this altar inside the tabernacle, continuously, never ceasing, and the smoke from the incense represented the prayers, the pleas, the cries of the saints of God. That's us, that's believers in Christ. The saint, the prayers are rising up. Just as smoke rises, our prayers are rising up to the Father. That's what that represents. Fast forward now, back to Revelation chapter 6. So fast forward, then rewind a little bit. We hear in chapter 6 that from underneath that altar, the voice of the martyrs cry out to God. Does anybody remember that? The voice of the martyrs cry out to God and they ask him to avenge their blood and judge the earth. What are they saying? We're ready for redemption. Whatever has to take place, do it. We are ready for redemption. We are ready for this thing. Then in chapter 8, this, this angel approaches this altar and fills the censer with incense from the altar, okay, which represent what? The prayers of the saints. In other words, this angel, oh man, I hope you think this is as cool as I do because this is crazy. This angel fills this, this pot, essentially, with the prayers of God's people. And then what he does next is crazy. And it's going to unleash hell. He takes the censer, he looks down at earth, and he casts it upon the earth. He throws it, boom, right on the earth. And it begins to thunder and lightning. And the earth begins to shake as if to say, you ready for this? God has heard. God has accepted the cry of the saints. And now the final fury of the Father is about to be unleashed on planet Earth. And all of heaven stands still before the Lord, before the seven trumpets and before the imminent return of Christ. So so what's important for you to remember is that the censer represent the prayers of us. God, please come quickly. Maranatha, come Lord. This angel, by throwing it down to the earth, is looking at the earth and saying, it's coming, it's done. We have heard you, and now we are going to act on your behalf. I hope you think this is as good as I do. I think this is stinking cool. Old Testament, New Testament stuff, 406 verses in Revelation. 360 of them are Old Testament references. This is symbolic of earth receiving its due penalty for its sin. And a reminder to us, practically, that prayer works. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it does. How many prayers went up before this angel cast it down? countless. Lord, come. Lord, come. He's not hearing me. He's not coming. Yes, he's hearing you. He's hearing you. And a lot of the times it doesn't seem like our prayers are working is because we're asking for something that isn't in our best interest. It's something that God doesn't want us to have. He's like, that's not good for you. 
You're praying the wrong thing. And sometimes the, the biggest blessing is actually an unanswered prayer. You just don't know it. But make no mistake, God hears the prayers of the righteous. He hears the prayers of his saints. And there is going to come a day when this angel takes this censer. He says, now is the time. Now is the time for God to act on your behalf. All the wrong that's ever been done to you. Maybe you are innocent in it. Maybe you're abused in some way or fashion. All the wrong that's ever been done to you. Right here. And then you pray to God, please, Lord. Take this thing from me. Heal me. Whatever the case is, it's in this moment that this angel holds this censer and says, all of those prayers. Do you see the magnitude of this? It's God saying, I have heard every single one of them, and now is the time of your redemption. Now is the time. So the censer is thrown upon the earth, and it makes way for the second tier of judgments. And uh, we are going to run through these really quick. Here comes the trumpets. Everybody say trumpets. Now get ready for this because it's going to happen quick. And it brings us to the end of chapter eight. We covered two chapters today. That's fantastic. Here it comes. Here it comes. After a half hour of silence, the first trumpet is about to be blown. Now, I wanted to do a demonstration here. Hey, where's uh, Josh? Would you mind if somebody else blew your trumpet? You don't care? Okay. Because I'm going to try to blow this and it's probably going to kill me. This is a... Who knows? I have worked tirelessly trying to play this. Is that how you say it? What do you play? I play the shofar. Um, I can't figure this thing out. If you don't do it right, it sounds like a dying elephant. This isn't what they blew. I just wanted to blow that for, for fun. Aiden, come up here, man. You guys, make Aiden feel welcome. Are you coming? Come on, man. Don't hurry or anything. <laughs> Aiden gave his testimony last Sunday, and he crushed it. He absolutely crushed it. Okay. You said you knew how to play this thing. Listen, this is like the most expensive trumpet I've ever. It's the only trumpet I've ever held, but it is definitely the most expensive one. And it's very sentimental, so don't drop it. All right, you got this. He said, man, I know how to blow it. I played trumpet. Then no, you didn't. I said, I did. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. So the first trumpet is blown. When I say the first trumpet is blown, I need you to blow that. Right. And it just needs to be like this solid. You can have vibrato to it if you want. All right, ready? So after a half hour of silence, the first trumpet is blown. That was really good. That was fantastic. Now, here's what I need to say. And I'm really trying not to go long. I'm re- I got to get through this. Keep focused. Get on, stay on your notes, Kevin. Stay on them. Okay. This trumpet is going to be blown, and the entire world is going to hear it. Wow. Do it again. Do it again. Thank you. Thank you. Blow harder next time. I think that's the problem. Okay. So the first trumpet gets blown, which is just an incredible thing to consider. Talk about terrifying. Talk about terrifying. After the first blast, hail and fire mixed with blood begin to rain down from the heavens. And the result is one third of all the trees are destroyed. And all, everybody say all. all. The green grass is gone. You know set you're going to be about that, Ron? Just <laughs> devastated. You ain't going to worry about it. I wouldn't either. All the grass, a third of the trees burned up. What will that bring about? A famine. 
a great famine. Many, many, many things and people are going to die. Then the second trumpet is blown. That was good. (laughs) And something, scripture says something, something like a great mountain burning with fire. Okay, so most likely some type of massive asteroid makes an impact right in the middle of the ocean and one third of the sea becomes blood and a quarter of the fish, everything in the sea, dead instantaneously. And a quarter of all the earth's ships are destroyed. That means that all, all these cities on coastal, all these coastal cities that rely on a Mediterranean diet, like, like Israel's a Mediterranean diet, fish, heavy on fish, many, many people are going to die. Then the third trumpet is blown. And a great star burning like a torch fell from heaven and struck one third of all the fresh water on planet earth. Now, this is interesting. The star had a name. Its name was Wormwood, which is representative of calamity and bitterness. One third of all fresh water gone on planet earth. And many millions and millions of people are going to die in a very short period of time. Then the fourth trumpet is blown. Blow this one big. It's the last one. Big, big. Keep going. Keep going. It's the last last one today. My man. Wow. At the fourth trumpet, a quarter of the sun, the moon, and the stars is going to be struck and darkened every day. For a quarter of the day, there will be total darkness. Night will have no moon. It'll be pitch black. There's a lot of details here. I thought that the sun went out in the first one. I thought that it it went out last chapter. It is. We're not going to get into all those details. Then John, right after this happens, right after that fourth blast, John sees an angel flying through heaven. He's declaring, woe, woe, woe to every man on earth because of the remaining three trumpets. Now, just to be clear, the Antichrist isn't, this has already happened, okay? The Antichrist is in power. People are killing indiscriminately and without restraint. There's no food. Death is riding around on a green horse with hell in tow, Earth is an apocalyptic war zone. And on top of all that, asteroids are falling from the sky. A quarter of the ocean is blood. A quarter of the fresh water is gone. Maybe nuclear war, most likely. The sun isn't shining. The moon has lost its glow. And at that point, John sees an angel declaring woe to the earth. It's only just begun. That is the reality of the great tribulations. And the the trumpets aren't even the worst, y'all. There's still three left and the bowls of wrath. I hope you're seeing the picture here. Thank you for blowing. Blow it one more time. Just say goodbye to the people. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. Josh, thank you so much for letting me use that. Josh was a world-class trumpet player in his day. Bet you didn't know that. Um, yeah, he, he's, he played for, was it the Rockettes you played for, or what was that? Okay, I'm tying this up right here. I'm going to end on time. Boom. This is a season where the grace of God is being lifted from the earth, and when it's removed, 
the world will see a very clear picture of the reality of sin and the destruction and chaos that it brings because of that decision thousands of years ago in the garden and man's inability, man's stubbornness to give all the glory to God, to be reconciled with God. That brings us to the end of chapter eight. 